Mindfulness in business can sound like some new age, break out the crystals, incense and candle thing. But today's guest says it's actually one of the smartest ways to humanize the workplace, unlock high employee engagement and the full potential of your team, something that everybody really wants. So stay tuned. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, helping you see business issues hiding in plain view that matter to your bottom line. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, the podcast for smart managers, executives, and entrepreneurs looking to improve business performance and their bottom line. I'm your host, Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, and I have another amazing guest for you today. She's Catherine Bell, a successful entrepreneur, business leader, and best-selling author of The Awakened Company, a revolutionary business book that was awarded the Nautilus Book Award in Business and Leadership and became a bestseller in one week after its release. It's also been included as one of the eight best leadership books of 2015 on Amazon, recognized as a top book for combining business and mindfulness. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you to everybody who is listening. Mindfulness is just a really interesting topic. What is mindfulness in business? Help us understand that. Well, first, let's define mindfulness. And mindfulness is being in the present moment. So not with our past thoughts, not being pulled ahead to the future, rather being with what is here now. Mindfulness in business, the way I like to link it is it's about our leadership. And I believe everybody's a leader. So how do we be mindful and centered leaders? And it's often said that leaders capture people's hearts, heads, and hands. And that relates to our our three centers is how are we feeling, what are our thoughts, and what are we doing? And ultimately, strategy is action. So how can we act as leaders, as mindful leaders in the moment. And it is by dropping down and into the present moment. And it just, you know, Hannah, just take a breath with me right now. Like, let's just take a breath together. And it is just taking that momentary pause to recenter ourselves that we become more mindful. And in being more mindful, we become more self-aware. And the research shows the more self-aware we are as leaders, the higher performing we are. So it just makes common sense and it's basic to our humanity and our human experience. That sounds very compelling. But business comes at us so fast, Catherine. And we prize decisiveness, you know, the decisive leader that can make a decision that doesn't dilly-dally around. You know, what are some practical tips for developing more mindfulness in business? Because it's one thing to say, oh, let's all take a deep breath together. But all too often when somebody's under pressure and their head's ready to explode, they don't have time to take that breath, even though they should, maybe they probably should. Mm -hmm. But what can they do? I love the realness that you're bringing to this because I'm a serial entrepreneur and I can't help but build things. So in many ways, people say, you know, you teach what you need to learn. And I would say that exactly applies to me because the world in many ways is bombarding me with requests, things to do, etc. However, 
when we're more present and when we're more mindful, we actually make better decisions. We're more creative. We are more innovative. We're more relaxed and we're less stressed. And let's make mindfulness really real. So what can we do as an individual? First, we can belly breathe instead of just breathing from the top part of our lungs. So that's one simple tip that our body center and then we can behave more from the present moment so that's a simple thing that we can do the other thing that i do with our teams is we begin with a mindful moment and so we just take a few moments before a meeting and we do a body scan which is just sensing into different parts of your body and then start the meeting and now we have boards of directors all around the world beginning their meetings like this and it sets a different tone so I invite everybody listening to this to experiment with it. Say, you know, I want to try this mindfulness stuff. What the research shows is it's actually going to make us more effective as a team, more self-aware as a team, more creative as a team. Let's try a centering practice before our meetings and then go into the agenda. So it's all these simple little hacks that we can bring to our lives to help us be more centered and more grounded. So Another thing we can do, Hannah, is when we're stressed between meetings, like I run between meetings a lot. So, for example, after this meeting, I'm running to go do a big shoot for a app that I've developed called Awakenly. And between the meetings, what I'm going to be focusing on is the present moment and dropping energy into my feet so that I'm more grounded when I arrive to do those audio tapes. So there's simple little practices. And interestingly enough, it helps us feel like we belong more to ourselves. And we have, like, so the majority of people are disengaged at work. The majority of people rate, the worst time of the day is the time with their bosses. And the majority of businesses fail. So business as usual does not work. We need to bring humanity and mindfulness into the workplace. And by bringing our humanity into the workplace and by bringing presence into the workplace it allows for another creative rhythm to flow through what we're doing and how we do it and i think everybody would agree that business as usual isn't working so this is an invitation for how to do small little things which are very reasonable to help create a more mindful world more mindful organization the other thing I think everybody in every organization and everybody in the world should have is a personal aim. And that is getting very deliberate with how you intend to place your attention because our brains are negatively wired. So when we have an intention, we can then call ourselves to behaving from that place. And then it allows us to say, yes, I will say yes to this. I will say no to this. So there's a whole bunch of little hacks I've given in terms of actually how to bring this and bring in a sense of playfulness and experiment with it. See what works for your team. Because what works, what I've learned from doing this for decades, is what works for some teams doesn't work for other teams. And it first begins with ourselves. So the Awakening Company, we go through, we have a little system that we use, which is it's the water drop hitting the ocean. We begin with awakening ourselves, then we begin with awakening our relationships, and then we work with awakening our teams. And we have a whole bunch of video on demands, and I have a whole relationships course coming up, and a whole bunch of other events coming up on our website, which people can check out and join us for, about how to actualize this in 
their lives. And it is so important to begin with ourselves. So first is every leader, have a name. Practice that aim. Bring your attention to that aim, that personal intention. Then drop into the moment. Just take a deep breath. You don't need to do this for hours. But the more we kind of come back to ourselves, the higher performing we will actually be. And we won't behave in that autopilot where we're making bad decisions because we're so rushed. Those are all great tips. I appreciate that, Catherine. It seems like I'm missing a step here. You know, it's one thing Mm. to say, I'm aware. Yes, I'm aware. I'm taking a a deep breath and I'm very aware that I am pissed at one of my employees because they really messed Mm. up. Now, Mm. my aim is to get business back on track and to get things fixed. But it sounds like some of what you're talking about is yet another step higher where, you know, more aspirational. And I'm down here at ground zero. <laughs> and I, mm. I have this mm-hmm. awareness, which, which is of something that is unpleasant and is a problem that needs to be fixed. So how do I make that transition from I want to rip somebody a new one right now to, oh, yes, let's, you know what I'm saying? You know, I'm being a little controversial here. I understand that. But, you know, I I think that, as you pointed out before, for so many managers that have so much on their plate every single day, it sounds like being mindful is a luxury. So how do they go Mm. from, how do I get this anger under control to unlocking the potential of my team? Hannah, you are incredibly intuitive because I'd say anger is probably the biggest thing I've had to work with as a leader. So you're incredibly intuitive to actually pick the whole topic of anger because I'd say if there's anything in terms of my leadership that I've had to work on, it's anger. And so let's go into this. First of all, it's counterintuitive. It's like go slow to go fast. It's so counterintuitive in our society. And I also think, you know, we become like a bit of a virus on the planet. We're heating it up by our relentless productivity. And I think if we do things more mindfully, we will do things better for everybody. So let's talk about this, you know, employee, because I can so relate to it. Literally, my body turns red sometimes. Like I get so angry when I'm like, I've explained that to you. We need to get going. Didn't you see it? Didn't you get it? Why haven't you done it? You committed to it. You didn't achieve it. La, la, la. You know, and I, my, my body literally gets red. So first off, I, I, I feel that experience of my body getting red. And I also take a pause and I have a very deliberate uh, practice, which I, is from critical conversations or crucial conversations, is I write down what are the things, what am I feeling, what are my thoughts, what am I noticing? And what is my preference of behavior in terms of the employee? So I get very specific and I work through that first myself. I just take a few minutes and jot it down. Whereas before what I would do is I just blurt out at them and the blurt out at them would often cause damage to the relationship, which is just not worth it. Because did you know the cost of somebody who's making a hundred grand right now, if they leave, the cost of the organization is about $1.8 million. So it's, the turnover is just not worth it. So I do the practice of, okay, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What am I noticing? What's my premise of behavior? And then I talk to them about it. And then I also talk about what is the commitment to the future. There's a lot of times there's a lack of clarity when, when things aren't happening. 
And so I that very deliberate practice. The trick is, though, it's like Viktor Frankl says, between stimulus and response, there's a space. And in that space is our power to choose. And so by getting more deliberate about what is the choice I want to make and how do I want to use that anger, that anger is actually very powerful and good fuel for creativity and to find different solutions. So I love that you picked the anger with the with somebody who's working with you because I can so relate to that, especially I'm a serial entrepreneur. So I just really like to build stuff and I don't think like things to slow me down. And I realize things become slower and then I damage things if I let my anger just go. If I'm more mindful and take this very deliberate approach, and we actually do a lot of lunch and lunch, I'd say this whole kind of critical conversations and feedback is one of our key lunch and learns that we do for organizations is I am noticing, I'm feeling, I'm thinking, preference of behavior, and then having a commitment process to follow through. So what a great, really practical example that you just honed in on. And I love that you chose anger because that's my hot button. <laughs> I think it's everybody's <laughs> hot button. You know, there's so much anger that seems to be under the surface of so many relationships. You know, it's like that cheap furniture that you buy. There's this veneer of, oh, hi, how are you? Oh, that's lovely. And the minute, you know, somebody's button gets pushed, pfft, it all goes to pieces. You know, it gets chipped away really, really fast. So I really appreciate the questions that, that people can ask themselves, especially about where they want the relationship to go. Because you're right, the Mm -hmm. cost of turnover is incredibly high. And, you know, post-COVID, where people are reevaluating their priorities about, do I want to be in the office? Do I not want to be in the office? You know, how how do I really want to live my life? Do I want to work to live or live to work? It raises all kinds of really interesting questions about the relationships they're willing to tolerate. So uh, Mm. I think your mindfulness is really very timely and very topical. And the more that leaders embrace it to say, okay, what is the long view? I mean, yeah, I can blow up and where's that going to get me? And that's not to say they abdicate accountability, but just being able to ask those questions and then find a better way to channel that energy. Because, you know, when I was working in corporate, one thing that I would hear, you know, some of my managers complain about, oh, that person is so angry and they need to go and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, if you could only find a way to harness it, they're angry because they care. When they're not angry Mm -hmm. is when you should worry (laughs) because they don't Mm -hmm. care so much. They Mm -hmm. care about their paycheck and that's about it. So I'd like to come to your book. You've written The Awakened Company, which got, you know, great kudos in a very short period of time. What can listeners learn from it about developing more mindfulness in business so that they can reap the benefits that we've talked about? Mm-hmm. It's really exciting, Hannah, because most business books only survive about six months and The Awakened Company's just been re-released after seven years because it's so topical. What people can learn from The Awakened Company is really why it is important to awaken ourselves, why it's important to awaken our relationships, why it's important to awaken our teams, and how we can use that. Like most business leaders don't know, for example, that if we focus two-thirds on culture and one-third on financial success, those are the highest performing organizations. The lowest performing organizations are those that just focus on finances. 
So it brings together business research, practical know-how, and wisdom traditions. And it provides leaders with a really great understanding of how to build your organizations differently and more powerfully and more thoughtfully. So every leader should read the Waking Company as a way to kind of open up the lens and perspective on seeing businesses as a force for good, businesses as a place of human experience and to bring our humanity back into our organizations. And businesses as really kind of catalysts of a different form of world. Because if we don't organize differently, we're up for, you know, more of the same. And I don't, I think people really want to change. So it's a way it offers really practical suggestions as to how to create healthier organizations in a more holistic way. And it uses business research, and business research is consistent with the mindfulness. Like most business leaders, as I said, don't know. Focus two thirds on corporate culture, one third on financial success. A lot of one organization came to me, you know, Cass, can you help me go from zero to a billion dollars like you did that company? And I'm like, you've got the wrong mantra. You don't focus on the financial success, you focus on solving a business problem, solving a problem. And when we are so clear, I could go on, Hannah, about this. I don't want to go on too long. We, when we're so clear with our why, our how, our what, when, and where, and how much, then it helps everything to be catalyzed in a new way. So I think every business leader should read The Awakening Company. I have more books upcoming, which I'm really excited about, and have a great video-on-demand series. So please, people, sign up to our newsletter to get – We our newsletters are also on social media very practical. We offer practical tips. We see it as a real social service. A lot of our clients don't come from our social media. Rather, those are people who are interested in learning how to actualize this for themselves. Well, we're definitely going to have links to your social media, to your book, to your business in the show notes at businessconfidentialradio.com. So listeners can definitely be able to tap into, you know, that wealth of information I've got two last questions for you, and they're kind of related. Mm. Um, one is, we may still have some skeptical listeners about mindfulness, about, uh, I don't know. But we may also have some who say, well, yeah, I see your point, but how are they going to believe me if I'm going to start being more mindfulness? Because they may have already squandered some trust with their employees. There's some fear in the organization because of the way that leaders have behaved. Individual managers may not necessarily be the entire culture, but for most employees, the relationship they have with their immediate supervisor is the organization. So what advice do you have? Oh, you brought up something really, really important, and that's our relationships and trust. If we don't have trust, it's like implying a tax on the organization. It makes everything slower. Most people rate the worst time of the day as their time with their bosses. So we have a whole bunch of boss holes. Yet, you know, being a leader, the last thing I would ever want to be called is a boss hole. And back to my philosophy, I think everybody's a leader. What we need to be doing in our organizations is really it's simple things like positively noticing each other in relationship. High-performing teams say five times as many positive things to each other. So I'd invite every leader listening to this call. First thing you do, start positively noticing your team. Watch what happens. It is alchemy. And it is not rocket science. So just 
I invite you to try and experiment and see what works for you. Be deliberate with where you're placing your intention, awareness, and your action. So intention, I, awareness, A, action, A. So IAA is something I always use, IAA. So intention, awareness, action. The other thing I'd like everybody to think about, just ABC, attitude, behavior, commitment. What's the attitude you're bringing to your day? How are you behaving and how are you committed? Like these things are not inconsistent with any and with any leadership research. The more we can bring the self-awareness to our world, the higher performing you'll be. I just invite you to try. See what works for you. Not everything will work for you. Try what works for you. And to not do it, it's like you're going to lose part of your own humanity because you'll then be either lead or you're going to be led. If you want to go at the whims of everybody else and if you want to go at the whims of your ego, that's fine. Just know that you're doing that. And I really invite people, though, to try, to try to bring more intention, awareness, and action to their world. And help me all you want. Like, that's totally fine. Totally fine. And try. Just experiment. And recognize that it's probably going to take some time because the first time you... <laughs> you land a compliment, they're going to look at you like, really? <laughs> they're going to be a little skeptical. But I, I really appreciate the tips that you've given. You've given some fabulous advice. And I, I had to chuckle to myself when I heard you say that, you know, the time people spend with their immediate managers, you know, is is the time that they, you know, dislike and makes them the most uncomfortable in the day. I, I have a funny story I got to share with you. When I was still working in corporate, I was in the elevator one time and I saw the head of the IT department with his lieutenant going up to the fourth floor, which is where the CEO was. And I, he was going for a meeting with the CEO. And I just looked at him and he was, you know, shuffling his papers and kind of, you know, fidgeting a little. I said, mm -hmm. just imagine how good you're going to feel when you take this elevator going back down. And he just started cracking up. <laughs> yeah, they just totally <laughs> diffuse the tension. You know, he he's like, yeah, you get it. <laughs> so, I mean, I, th I think everybody understands that. And, and it's, it's really a shame that so many people feel that way, because it would just be a great opportunity to collaborate, to get more direction, to say, you know, are we doing the right thing? Are we on the right path? What can we do more instead of getting hammered, which is all too often what people experience. So, Catherine, thank you so much. I appreciate your time, your insights, and with everything that you've shared with us today, and the power and value of mindfulness. I, I really love that data about focus two-thirds on culture and one-third on the finances. I mean, that just echoes what I've heard from so many other people about you know, build your people, they'll build your company. So anyhow, thank you for that. If you're listening, you'd like to know more about Catherine Bell's fabulous work, her book, The Awakened Company, that information, as well as links to her website, which apparently has all these amazing resources and a transcript of this interview. It's also going to be found in the show notes at businessconfidentialradio.com because I know she rattled off a bunch of questions to ask yourself and some amazing tips. So if you're walking or running while you're listening to this or driving, you know, you couldn't jot them all down, but they will be available in the transcript. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to tell your friends about the show and leave a positive review. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Business Confidential Now. So until then, have a great day and an even better tomorrow.